Hello everybody and welcome to another comedian's interview for my blog A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 750 comedians over the past 45 years and I'm delighted today to welcome my guest, Mr. Ian Smith. Yes! <laughs> Hello! Hello, um, how are you? I, I started clapping then and <laughs> I didn't really know why, but it's just so contagious. <laughs> You're very kind. How are you? You all right? Yeah, not too bad. Good um, man. Um, well, thank you so much for your time and... Uh, um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about your career and I'd, and and I'd like to go right back to the start and yeah. uh, kick off with how did you become a stand-up comedian? Um, so I suppose it's I I guess I, I must have been interested in comedy, but I, I think it probably was watching um, watching Phoenix Nights and Peter Kay's first oh, stand-up DVD. Um, yeah, and then just. Yeah, because I can't pinpoint the moment, but I, I think those were the first things I watched. Um, and me and two friends started a sketch group when we were 14. Right. Like, we, um, I love drama, and we um, were in, like, a little drama thing af after school. Yeah. So we put on a couple of sketch shows at our local theatre, this little 80-seater theatre. Right. And we were called Best Before Yesterday. Right. And um, yeah, so we did a couple of shows and then I, I really loved it. And when it come to university sort of time and everyone going their separate way, really, I, I just thought, well, I love doing this. So I'm going to have to do it as an individual rather than as sketch. That's brilliant. That's so, so good. I just sort of forced myself to think, well, I, I'm going to have to do stand up then. Right. Um, but um. Yeah, that was it, I think. Wow, because, um, I mean, something like Phoenix Nights, it was so iconic when it first came on TV. I mean, mm. I'm, I'm like you. I, I would put Peter Kay up there with Eric Morecambe, Tommy Cooper, Les Dawson. There's something yeah. more um, to his act. There's another level that he is just so natural and it draws an audience in. So he, when he... Because he started off writing a sitcom and then nobody knew he was a stand-up comedian. And so when he did the mm. comedy act, it was extraordinary. I, I first saw him on a bill of five acts before he was famous, and Peter Kay, in Manchester. And he was fourth on the bill. And I laughed yeah. so hard, I, fifth, I missed the fifth act. <laughs> I'm still laughing at him. <laughs> and I said to my friend, I said, he's going to be a star. <laughs> yeah. But it is, and it's 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 wonderful that you've that you that because the reason why I love you uh, your your stand up routine is is your originality. You never know what you're going to get next with you, which I mm. love in a comedian. Um, and uh, Peter Kay is very much like that. He, he he can take a subject and just fly with it, you know. And you're and and you're you I think you're very much like that. Um, mm. Can you describe your first gig? What year was it? Where was it? What was it like? Um, so I'd have to work out what year it was, but I know I was, I think I'd just turned 17. Right. Because um, I did did like a couple of gigs before I went to uni and during uni I, I gigged like every now and then. Um, but I, I know that 
I just turned 17 and it was at a place called the Overside Comedy Club in York right. that Dan Atkinson used to compare. Yeah. Um, and it, it doesn't exist anymore. I think um, it, it's still comedy there, but it, it was the perfect comedy venue. It was like a low ceiling basement sort of place. Um, my mum and dad sort of said you can't gig there until you've gone to see a show there to so that I knew what I was getting myself in for. Yeah. So we went to see a show there just before the smoking ban. So it was just like like a smoke machine, just fog. Um and um yeah, so when I got the gig, I sort of did something that I still maybe do a bit now of writing to the deadline. But um I I remember in the car, my mum and dad gave me a lift there and I didn't know what I was going to say and I was panicking and sort of thinking like, you, you're an idiot, why have you it's ten minutes and you've got a couple of ideas. That's I hadn't... a long time. Ten minutes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and in London, if you start in London there's all sorts of gigs where you're doing a minute or gong shows yeah. and yeah. Yeah. up north I was kind of lucky enough that like I, I was on with um Nick Doody and Silky and Dan Atkinson Super and I, I was on the open spot. Yeah. So in at the deep end where you, you know, you, there's not going to be another three people also kind of floundering around. Um, but yeah, so I had like um, one idea that I hadn't scripted out and I did that at the top um, and it went okay. And then I looked at my watch, I had five minutes left. So I just improvised. Wow. Um, and that went better than the material. And that's something that I've sometimes felt, or when I was starting felt would sometimes happen that I was better um, improvising rather than writing. Yeah, but um, yeah. I'm so more disciplined now that I will, I can sit down and write and I've done things that I think have, have made me better at um, just the organization. But yeah, I was in the car there just thinking, I have no idea what. <laughs> what I'm going to say. That must have been terrifying. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, wow. But I remember Silky saying to me, he was really nice because he could see I was probably terrified. Yeah. And he was quite good at sort of... I remember him saying, like, no, no one cares, basically. Like, there's millions of people in the world. There's, like, a hundred people in this room, but they've got all of this stuff going on. Yeah. There's crazy stuff going on in the world. And you're going to go up for 10 minutes and try and make them laugh and it it just doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it goes well or not it's your first gig there's just no pressure at all i think so it's it was I, very nice i i always um the reason why i write the blog is that it is i always say to folk it's an enthuse this because um i'm a member of the audience i'm not a reviewer or a diarist or a critique or anything like that I have so much praise for the I call them brave heroes who can actually mm. get up and do it and 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 I think your first ever gig the reason why I asked your question is um that you, it must be such a relief to have done your first gig and then you can build from there mm. yeah I I mean I can barely I can't really remember what I thought about it I yeah. just I think it was just relief because yeah. <laughs> I think the first one goes badly when you don't drive and you're up north um, then you can't 
like I don't think I gigged again for another two or three months. Right. Um, just because I was still in college. Right. And I couldn't drive. I I couldn't. There's no local gigs. Right. Um, and that was another very good bit of advice. I remember. Um, um, I think Jeff Norcott, yeah. like on my like third or fourth gig, um. Because I'd had my first three maybe went pretty well and I was quite pleased. And then the fourth one was my first kind of death, really. Right. And Jeff Norcott just said, like, you should book in four gigs. Like, never have, like, when you're starting out, never have just one gig. Um, because if you do have a tough gig, then you might kind of think, oh, I don't know if I should do this again, but you should just book them in and keep yeah. going get it done something i think as well um is every gig is an experience whether it goes good or bad and and and, oh, yeah. and i think all the great comedians have to go through bad gigs to learn from them mm. yeah because there's nothing worse than seeing someone who's yeah maybe been lucky enough to not have really tough gigs yeah then be like five years into being a comedian and then have it happen because like yeah now i kind of feel like there isn't much gig wise that i would be bothered about sort of happening um and i think that's because i've had enough awful gigs and weird gigs and, and stuff to to have a thick skin yeah yeah that sort of thing but yeah it's better to get all that stuff out over with as quickly as possible so, yeah 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 very much so. i was I was going to go on to um, uh, today. What's been your best and worst gig? Have you have you have you had any um, specific memories of good or bad shows? Um, well, why? Because I was thinking, what the worst gig I've done was probably recently. Because I think um, so. Before last Edinburgh. I always stress out about Edinburgh right. so much and I did a preview that um, there was only like three people in the crowd and, oh, and I, I didn't want it to go ahead but then two more people turned up and the promoter was like brilliant and I thought no no it's still still bad <laughs> like five people isn't yeah. and these two people were quite drunk as well oh, God. Yeah. Um, so I was I was doing my preview and I was trying to get through material, but these people were kind of chipping in with questions or kind of shouting out their own punchlines oh. and stopping every every joke. And I was being quite nice about it and trying to involve them a bit. But then it was getting to maybe the eighth, ninth time that happened, and I was saying we've got to stop doing this. But I think it was maybe ten, fifteen minutes into like an hour preview. I I had my laptop and my papers like out on a little table, so I just started packing them away yeah. and putting them in my bag, and people seemed confused. And I was just like, "I'm I'm going now. This is um this is pointless for, oh, for me." Um, and um, I was I was sort of it was more just I'd never been I don't think I've ever walked off stage before, um, and definitely not like in a preview. But it was only fifteen minutes in. And I, I was so angry that I was just specifically telling them yeah. individually why I disliked them as an audience. So I was like, you're drunk, you're drunk, 
you're saying completely random stuff because they're empowering you to be an idiot, but you're not even drunk, so there's no excuse for you. Um, yeah, so it was, it was as close to a sort of breakdown. Oh, I think man. it would be a breakdown if it wasn't so justified. Yeah. Um, but um, so just because it happened so recently, it sticks in my mind. It sticks as, in your mind but yeah. yeah, not necessarily my fault. I think just a just such a pointless. Yeah exercise really well my, my view of that would be we're not here to hear them we're here to see you so what's mm. the point of them being there you know it's it's it, i think it's completely wrong that folks should do that at a gig you know because because yeah it's just ridiculous um you won the amused moose comedy award for your show Snowflake in 2017. Describe that experience, please. Um, You're in a it's competition. Hard to, yeah, I mean, it's, all, it's very nice. Um, I guess, in all, in all honesty, I find Edinburgh so sort of all-consuming with the sort of um, stress of it all yeah. that... I think I probably enjoyed it for like an hour right. and then was probably stressing out about something. So um, it's sort of, yeah, I only really look at those things back like in hindsight and think, oh, that was, that was nice. Um, but um, Well deserved too. Yeah, I was, I was really happy with that show. I think it's one of my two favourites yeah. that I've done. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just... It's just nice to, because um, you can spend your whole year sort of working towards Edinburgh, really, and and um, there's so many reviewers and and all sorts of yeah. players that even if you come away with a couple of nice reviews, sort of ev everyone's got that and gets so oversaturated. So it's nice to have something that feels a bit more limited, yeah, where yeah. you can sort of say, Definitely. "Oh, I, I got that, thing. that was nice." Yeah, um, yeah. Well. Um moving going on from that um i i went on a half day uh writing course which was arranged through amused moose to help mm. me with my blog but um uh, um uh, uh they they got in contact with me and they thought i was going to be a reviewer and as i said before i'm not i'm a member of the audience mm. and um uh um after that i was invited to the um to be in the audience for the Amused Muse New Comedian Awards final in 2018 oh. that you hosted, and what was what was genius about that was um, uh, we had to write down our ten favourite acts, and then you you had to fill in time while the judges um, went <laughs> off and judged. And you asked everybody to throw the pencils at you, and they did. And it's going back to this originality. You were you were looking for something for somebody to for us all to do, and we just pelted you with these pens. And it was one of the funniest things I saw at that fringe. Who are you? But it was a great idea, you know. <laughs> I remember being really um, annoyed about. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that gig yeah and i remember um having a really fun time and and it going well and then i remember that year there was a reviewer who had come 
to see the snowflake show that I did. And he came in on probably my favorite day of the run. And when I found out he was in, I was I was over the moon because I found out afterwards and I thought, oh, that, that went great. And oh, I think I'll get a good review from him. That was probably the best in Edinburgh show has gone of mine. Um, and then he just never published anything. Oh, so no. I got a free ticket. And, oh. and I knew he was reviewing um, the yeah. loose thing as well. So, so I thought, like, I've had a good gig there as well. Maybe that'll, um, maybe that'll make, remind him to publish that review or something. Um, and he never did. And the only thing he mentioned about, I guess I, those new art competitions, it's, it's not about me. So I'm being very selfish. But I remember the review saying it was compared by Ian Ghoul Smith. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt like I'd been reduced to like one little joke kind of thing. And yeah, I remember reading it thinking, what about the pens? I was going, I <laughs> Well, I remembered the pens, my friend. <laughs> no mention that. I also remember um, the CEO of the Fringe Society, I think was there, right. the award, and I was I was asking her about how um, she lets uh, rent prices get so disproportionately high. <laughs> For you. <laughs> but, um, so I felt like I was being fearless and was just described as is Ian Gould Smith and I I was so annoyed but um but the gig itself I yeah I remember that being a lot of fun. I, I remember the winner was Maisie Adam. Oh, was I it? I think it was Maisie Adam. I'm sure. I'm sure that because it was. Um, 2018 it was the year after snowflake that you i think you compared it 2017 and 2018 and yeah yeah 2018 one yeah. oh yeah. So i can't remember that and me yeah. and Maisie are really good yeah friends. yeah, she, yeah she's wonderful um yeah uh let's move on to edinburgh um how mm. long have you been going there what was your first edinburgh fringe like do you enjoy the experience i think uh We've heard a bit of the answer for that so far. <laughs> I um, yeah. Well, so my first time, like first time at all, was when I entered. So you think you're funny? Yeah. Which I, I think was like 2007. Wow. I don't know, but I I shouldn't have entered it because I'd done maybe like four gigs. Right. But I remember someone saying to me, um. Oh, have you been going any longer than uh, a year's worth of time and they find out they'll think you're cheating and all this kind of oh, stuff but negative again yeah 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 so it kind of scared me into thinking oh, i best enter now but um yeah really i'd done about four gigs right um so i, I managed to get through to the semi-finals up in edinburgh but um but really i, I was sort of clueless in terms of what i was doing so I went up for maybe three or four days and did So You Think You're Funny and saw a few shows. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I really, I really love it there. Like yeah, even it is an amazing about, experience. It certainly is. Mm, and just like, yeah, if I, if I think about it sometimes, I'll like be reminded of like a smell or I feel like I can picture the like um the kind of damp pavements of certain locations and it's forever like, raining <laughs> yeah, yeah. well yeah i so i have a, a real love for it yeah um 
I think, um, yeah, the, the thing that is um, that I find stressful about it is that um, there seems to be, it's just a, an increasing kind of pressure point for comedians where right. it's, a, I don't think it's the case as much now, but a lot of people still see it as like a make or break part of your career um, and an increasingly competitive environment. So there, there's more and more pressure of, the show has got to be this and it's got to be this good so you kind of spend your whole year working on it yeah or, or working towards it and i think if you spend your whole year working towards anything and it's anything less than perfect it's it's a disappointment sort of thing but um but yeah i mean i i just i think our shows are just my favorite my favorite thing like just when someone can do I, yeah, because I, I like seeing it when people don't have themes and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. When people do a creative, different show that can grab your attention for an hour, I think, um, you know, you could be the best in the world at doing 20 minutes in clubs and stuff, but really it's a different skill to be able to hold people's attention for the full hour. Um, and yeah, so I, I just think it's the place where you can see the most creative stuff really that's why i'm a big fan of yours because you can hold the audience for an hour because your creative ideas are extraordinary and very funny and that's good because that's something i think i i enjoyed my first three edinburgh shows yeah. but i think the last three that i've done the latest ones are the ones that i'm proud of yeah and i think influenced by various other comedians who i think do like those kind of creative shows yeah um yeah but i i think it's come as well from being um like well, a, an early edinburgh experience i was in the chortle student final oh yeah yeah i think in 2008 maybe i'm probably getting the dates wrong because none of this seems to match up at right, all right. with the same thinky funny thing but um but i i, I was in the final and um I think the material I was doing, oh, I was going to say it was okay, but it probably wasn't. And I remember seeing, Simon, it was the year Simon Bird got runner-up and he was doing, um, like I, I was dumbfounded by people who were just doing probably the sort of stuff I do now, which is more conversational and not gags and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like how someone like, you know, kits in its turns of phrase and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I didn't get that at all when I was starting out because right. you just do like standard jokes. And I remember watching and feeling like an idiot because I, I didn't understand how, at first I was like, how are people getting laughs? There's no jokes here at all. It's just um, like kind of character and turn of phrase and stuff. So I remember it being a really like chastising experience, but that made me a better comedian because it made me think, I've got to work out how to do the sort of stuff I find funny and not like these sort of gags and stuff which I don't really care about. Exactly and again it's all experience and it makes you a better comic to, to try and use different delivery methods and all the rest of it you know so it's, so it's all, all, all good experience for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, 
my holidays are in Edinburgh. I'm sure you know. I go. My my home city is Carlisle. I'm 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 doing the interview from London today. I live and work in London, but my hometown's Carlisle, home city, and I go back up um, quite a bit there. And so, of course, Edinburgh is only an hour away. And yeah. every summer, I go there. I go to the Fringe for a week. I'm very lucky, and I see about fifty shows. <laughs> so by the oh. time I come back, I need a holiday. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's, and it's the um, most incredible thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. The, f the first one I went to was twenty. It was um, two thousand and five, mm. and I've been going ever since. Um, do you remember? Um, I know I'm sort of throwing questions at you now, but do you remember from that first year? a show that you saw that blew you away i saw joe brand i saw who oh. i'd never seen before and she was amazing um i saw uh bill bailey and alan davis starring the odd couple and i love neil simon plays and uh, bill mm. bailey was oscar and alan davis was felix um who else was on uh, natalie haynes i saw she was very good jason manford i saw he was fantastic but yeah, they were yeah. all what i what what i love about it all in your particular case in point is um uh, i either there's a mixture of um established comedians or new comedians and i love to watch the new ones develop so mm. if because i've seen so many i believe i'm very good at spotting a who i think is very funny and friends of mine who i come up who come along with me agree that i'm that they always enjoy the ones that i like and you're a classic case in point because i've seen your shows at edinburgh two or three years in a row um, mm. and and each one of them as i say i love the fact that you never know what you're going to get with you and it's it, it's always hilarious <laughs> so well done <laughs> um uh, what do you think makes a good comedian? Um, I think, or certainly one of the qualities that I really like, because um, I think you can be an incredible gag writer yeah. uh, and to do that in a creative way. But, but the thing that I think I respect most is like an ability to kind of be in the moment as well. So, um, but I, I think that comes from like personal bias of like, like loving seeing Kitson and Johnny Vegas were probably like two of my biggest influences. Wow. And just thinking how, you know, the, the ability to, as well as doing your material, to also have a bit of natural kind of wit and energy in the room. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it, it really annoys me. Um, sometimes when like be gigging at a club and not to sort of throw like shade at anyone else but i've seen gigs where something mad happens in the room and some comedians will kind of be like no i'm not really going to engage in that like you know i've got my stuff and i'm going to do it whereas i kind of think that's brilliant when that happens because I, I get so bored of if a gig's just doing the same stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really respect like the ability to sort of naturally go off and, and do something. Yeah. And, um, yeah, to sort of be like, but I don't know if it's, that's necessarily like that important, but I know I kind of, I hold it in a lot of importance, the idea that 
like if, if a gig was nice and, and everyone's really up for it that you could go up and not do any material for 10 minutes and it would still be like n enjoyable rather than oh, self yeah yeah, okay. yeah um as you were um telling me that answer um uh, uh, paul merton came to mind he's he's infamous for um always trying to find something interesting in his in certainly when he's gigging and even on have i got news for you he looks like sometimes he's he's not bored but he's trying to think of something to keep the um uh, to keep the show going um one of my um uh favorite tv recordings was have i got news for you and it was the one with the first time bruce forsyth appeared and mm. it was just incredible because um paul merton um was all up for it me and his lot didn't know what was going on so mm -hmm. to have him to have bruce forsyth as a fresh idea was incredible um yeah. and the other one of course is um tommy cooper we I, I was very fortunate to see tommy cooper live and there was nothing on stage but a bed when the curtains opened and he's lying on it and nothing literally nothing you say nothing happened nothing happened for 10 minutes he's lying mm -hmm. on this bed and one woman is laughing in the crowd and it trickles round so everybody's crying with laughter and after yeah. 10 minutes he puts his head up and he goes what what has somebody come on and he just <laughs> put the house down and that's the magic that you're trying to get yeah yeah um uh, I've seen many of your shows. I've uh, uh, at Edinburgh in 2018. I um, my friends came along with me, and we went to see Craft. And Craft mm. ended up. I've got a wonderful photograph of you from the Edinburgh Fringe, but you look drenched because right at the end of the show, you had to pour some water all over yourself. <laughs> it's a wonderful picture, and that's the originality again. Um, I also saw Half Life in 2019, which was based on a Scrabble game. Mm -hmm. um, describe your writing process and how would you approach to writing a show? Um, so I think the last show was, I still sort of found it very stressful, but yeah. was probably um, the best I'd written a show in terms of the organisation of it. Because re really, yeah, if, if I was being honest, I would say that my shows have got better every year. Yeah, I think but, they have. But the stress of putting them together is borderline torturous. Um, I don't, but I, I think, but it's because I get so stressed about Edinburgh because I, I want I want it to be as good as it can. Yeah. Um, but so what I aim to do. Yeah, if I was putting together a show and what kind of worked out well with the last one is that if I can by December have, because you kind of put in all your information and venues around December, January, if I can have an idea of what I want the show to be about in terms of um, a theme and maybe a, an incident in my life um then i feel like that's a basis for something and then i try and add either um by design or by coincidence something to go off and do because i i don't think i don't enjoy just sitting down at a desk and 
no. trying to think of observations and stuff. So, but I find as soon as I put myself in a situation that's different to my day-to-day -day life, then I find it relatively easy to pick up bits. So, um, yeah. so last, um, so my last show, because um, I had to postpone my wedding, I knew that I wouldn't really be able to write too much without that being the sort of main thing that was reverberating or going through my head. Um, so thinking that I, I would talk about that a bit and I would talk about stress in various ways. So I kind of had a theme, I had something that made it more personal to me and um, me and my brother were planning on going to Chernobyl on holiday anyway. So I thought I'll surely get 10 minutes out of that. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and then adding like, because some of the things was kind of doing, or that my fiance would do to de-stress, like listening to audiobooks, doing knitting, um, playing Scrabble. I, I just thought, well, I think I could get five minutes out of audiobooks and five minutes out of knitting. Yeah. And why don't I try and enter a Scrabble tournament? Um, and yeah, so all those things that link in a bit of a story and that just paint me into a corner a bit because the the hardest thing I, I find is thinking what you're going to talk about because I, I don't like doing something that's completely themeless. But e even if I did, it would make it um, very difficult because it can be about anything. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I remember Sarah Pascoe said something to me which she might not even remember, but she she said that the problem with a themeless show is that it's never, never finished because you could write a great hour of comedy, but then you could always write a better routine that could be slipped in. Right. So if you give you, when you give yourself some borders and a sort of story or a thing you want to say, then you can work it to a being a complete show rather than at any point I could write a better material than that bit to slot in and you know if there's no consequence to losing bits of material yeah you could always just make it better in places so um so yeah that's that's my checklist if I, if I can is wow. yeah that's yeah, fascinating so, so from the writing process how do you then remember the routines and the stories do you, have, do you have pointers in your head as you're going along, especially for the hour-long shows? Well, I think the last few years I started doing something um, which I think was sort of from listening to Josh Widdicombe on yeah. the Comedian's Comedian podcast. Um, but basically, because I write to the deadline and in the middle of July, I'll be having a go at myself and saying why haven't I written more and it's not ready yet and you're an idiot and all this kind of stuff so so the show is ready like when I'm going on the train to Edinburgh um so I don't concern myself with learning it I just need to get it written and ready yeah but I think you can learn a show in like a day or two yeah just by so I I would do like a sort of almost demented run through of the show and I would do it before every single show up until the last week and I would 
basically for the two days before the run starts, I would really quickly sort of go like uh, you come on stage, you say this, then you do that bit of material, then what comes next is that, then you do that. And if I forget something, I kind of like do this thing with my hand where I'm like, you must remember this, but you must remember. And then when I remember, then it's the knitting story. Do not forget the knitting story. The knitting story comes after this. <laughs> and I, I run through the whole show like that, which takes about five minutes. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it gets less and less. But um, yeah, I just, I sort of go through the order as quickly as I can, repeatedly for two days. Wow. That's, that is incredible. That's that's amazing that, that that you have to keep going. You keep going, but it does get less and less, as you yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's like a bit of a ritual or becomes yeah. a bit OCD sort of thing because I, I don't think I would need that after a week. But if, if you've got a reviewer in or get judges for the awards yeah, in yeah, and stuff, yeah. I know I would beat myself up if I forgot a bit of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that's, I think, what Josh said is it takes a little bit of your time to go through your show and that whenever he's done that, he's had a better show because of it. Mm-hmm. So it it kind of feels a bit like laziness if you don't do it. So you have to be prepared. What's, mm. what's the old saying? Uh, prepare, uh, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Um, You've appeared as an actor on TV and on radio as a guest on the Now Show and the News Quiz, which I heard, and you were superb. Mm. Um, tell me more about your experiences of um, um, comedy on TV when, when uh, as opposed to live stand-up. Are, are there any restrictions? Can you say what you want? How, do, how does the process work? Well, I guess, um, to be fair, I haven't done a lot of stand-up on TV in, like, the UK, maybe more so with radio. Um, but, um, yeah, from what I found, like, I did um, the televised gala in New Zealand. And, um, yeah, you maybe it's different with other stuff, but for that we had to give um, a sort of transcript of everything we were going to say. Right. Um, and, yeah, I guess depending on the time, certain words are changed just sort of swear words would yeah. be changed to yeah. less severe ones, which is, is tough because if you've done material for so long, it's just r- rhythmic. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And it, so it's quite hard to kind of think, oh, I must change that one word. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just a bit more nerve wracking, but the more you do it, the less, um, then that all just goes yeah, away. Yeah, so, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, um, I'd love to do more things like that. Um, you, were, when I did... you were superb on the um, news quiz in particular. I was on a train to Carlisle with my headphones on listening to it. And mm. I think I cleared the carriage with my laughter when you were <laughs> on. It was priceless. <laughs> Your routine was spot on. <laughs> um, we're all living in very strange times. It's a very weird time to be living. Mm. Um have you done any online gigs and if you have have you found them how have you found them as opposed to live gigs um i have i've done an all right amount of live gigs um i saw you at always be comedy online you yeah did that. yeah that well, you were great 
I think that was that's the only online gig I've done where it felt like a gig. Right. Um, and and maybe like the ones I did were quite early on to things happening and and there's a few others that I've, I've heard good things about and I maybe kind of need to push to ask to do them. Um, but um, yeah, I, I guess there'll always be one that was really fun and you can hear everyone and but yeah, I, some of them I've done where you don't hear the audience, which um, is strange. Tell, and, me <laughs> Tell me about it. I've been on many where I've been laughing it's uh, silently and I've been taken away because all I'm <laughs> laughing at is the four walls. <laughs> Very a odd. Canadian and, needs a laugh. <laughs> yeah. And and then sometimes there's ones where like the laughter comes but it's it's a bit delayed and yeah. it's quieter because I guess a lot of people laugh differently when they're watching something by themselves than in this group. So you can sometimes get just little titters and mm, mm. so yeah i i'm a bit sort of brutal with i sort of have no interest in doing any of my old material at an online gig unless it's as nice as the always be one was because i i've done that material and, and i know it goes well so there's nothing worse than just doing that and then hearing nothing because yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's nowhere near the same as but um so i i don't i don't mind them but yeah i, I must admit I, I i wouldn't sort of i'm not clamoring to to do them really no um, i i always say um i mean i mean online comedy and the blog and everything has got me through lockdown it's getting me through lockdown if it wasn't there i'd i don't know what i'd do but it is a very good it's a very 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 good substitute but you can't be live mm. the, the sooner mm. we're all back to going out on for us going out on a saturday night and seeing the likes of you at a comedy gig the better it is because you can't beat it for me anyway that's why mm. i write the blog and i'm hope hope all my passion comes through um mm. uh, who are your favorite comedians past and present um, I think really like well, talking about like present. I think I think Acaster is just like the top of the top of the game at the minute. Um, yeah, and yeah, just in terms of how we, um, yeah, he's. I mean, the amount he turns over, material-wise. Um, I I always loved his Edinburgh shows, but. In particular, his last show, um, where because um, I I loved his kind of persona in his sort of more made up shows. Where but when I've seen him recently, he's much more. He's still like got this kind of oddness to him and a character yeah. to him, but he's more energetic and seems a bit more himself. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and there's loads of stuff that it hasn't like made it into that sure that i've seen it gigs which a lot of comedians would kill to have yeah 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 editing out of a show like um yeah and i just think yeah the the work rate and um again is someone who is 
if he wanted, could go up and improvise and be. He brilliant. is. He I mean, is amazing. Mm -hmm. I, I watched his. Um, uh, hate lasagna nineteen ninety nine. Oh, the, sure the last lasagna. Hate myself. Was online. Great title. Ad, ad yeah, yeah. And he and he and he did a routine about his appearance on Bake Off, which was. Yeah, yeah. I could not stop laughing. I was crying at him. Yeah, and uh, that was all. Like, yeah. I, that before and it's a 20 yeah. minutes routine and it's a routine yeah yeah absolutely yeah. fantastic um great great choice the the reason why i um asked the comedians the question is that in my blog there's uh, a section called the ones that got away so there's so there's i've listed 25 comedians who have either passed on or haven't had chance to see and uh for me they hold so many memories um so the reason why I do it is Morecambe and Wise. I would have loved to have seen them. Um, mm. Bob Monkhouse is in there, Dave Allen, um, Mike Yarwood, um, uh, uh, Richard Pryor, um, on and on and on, you know. They, um, and and uh, it, it would have been amazing to see them and, and to get their perspective on it all. Mm. It, it's, 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 I find it fascinating. Um, yeah. Like me, do you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience? Um, I think outside of um, so in in Edinburgh, yeah. Well, come to think of it, we no no just gigs. Like I would I would go and see solo shows, but I haven't been to like a comedy club. No, no. To see a lineup, um, I think in years and years. The last time I did that was when, like, I had a gig cancelled and would go to see a friend who's performing. But, um, yeah, just solo shows. So I think the main places I go will be, like, in Edinburgh and then in Soho Theatre to yeah, see yeah, um, yeah. Edinburgh shows I couldn't catch. And yeah. um, there's, about, there's about two or three on a night at the Soho Theatre. It's a really good idea because you've got mm. the bar as well where you can congregate afterwards and uh, mm. it's a it's 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 a brilliant idea it's been going for years so yeah I think, yeah i had um i, I saw lazy susan at soho yes. theater um and i saw them in, yeah in the upstairs room there yeah and um i don't know if they would watch this um or listen to this at any point but had a really embarrassing situation which i, I thought was very funny but also i felt very bad so I had my pint by my chair and I put it kind of underneath the chair because I'm so conscious of, I must have knocked something over once in my life and now I'm massively conscious about it. So it's underneath my chair in the middle and someone stretched their legs out and knocked over. Oh, mate, no. But it was during the show. Oh. And I only sort of realised a little bit in when I, I saw all the water. You had a and wet foot. <laughs> and I saw it going into the coat that someone had put under their chair in front of me. No! Oh. And was, was up. So that was already, I was thinking, when the show's done, I'm, I'm leaving quickly. Wow. Um, but then there's a part in their show where, um, um, I don't know those girls, I, sorry, I forget their names, but, um, but one of them... It comes behind an audience member um, who she's pretending to fancy and gives him a massage and and she chose the guy in front of me so she was going to have to come 
in into the like drink and I didn't oh. want to say to her like oh don't, don't stop there because I hate being involved in a show when you're a comedian yeah um, and also then I didn't want to alert the person in front of me that I've got beer all over his cup <laughs> so she stood in it and gave him a little massage and then as she come back on stage her shoe was sort of going and I could I could see that she was looking like what's going on with my shoe and if people in the audience were a bit confused you <laughs> obviously didn't want to go is my shoe wet and I thought oh please don't so luckily she didn't mention it. and I just as soon as the show was done I yeah, legged it <laughs> with enough time to turn around and see the person oh, looking at it, rem it reminds me my my favorite pint of beer story I can never remember who the who the act were but they were jugglers they were comedy jugglers mm. and they were on at the comedy store and I'd seen them on the Thursday night and I was with my friend on the Saturday night and as they came on I said oh this 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 act is fantastic you'll love them you really love them and they were juggling and they had fruit and so they were juggling bananas I think they were and they, mm. and they looked towards me as though they were going to chuck uh, a, throw a banana and then I would uh, catch it and then throw it or, or pick it up from the floor and throw it back to them and they'd juggle so mm. they're nodding away and I'm drinking and they're nodding and they threw it and my beer went <laughs> <laughs> absolutely everywhere and they, they, when they did that there was no banana <laughs> so I ruined the, ruined the act <laughs> it happens my friend don't worry oh. <laughs> um just before we go, is there anything else that you would like to say? Is there any uh, online gigs or any podcasts or any books that you've got? Uh, please mention a hundred reasons to hate because I think it's I think it's fantastic. Is there going to be any more of those? And also, as well, your lunchtime walk was fantastic. <laughs> is there going to be any more of those? Well, I'm and glad you like radio. Walk. Sorry, I'm just going to say I know you've got a Radio oh, yeah. Four series as well. Yeah, so, yeah, the lunchtime walks was like the first thing I did during lockdown. And I think I was started slowly losing my mind with them. I, I enjoyed the first one. The second one was all right. But the third one where I relocated to a different town because I'd run out of tourist sites <laughs> and then remembered there's not a lot going on in that town. <laughs> <laughs> we was just sort of chatting. I um, loved that. I loved it. But I'd like to do more. I, yeah. I need to do more um, online stuff. There's loads of people doing great stuff on like Twitch and places like that. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to do more of that. Yeah. So I'm going to do a bit of a brainstorm about what I can do. Um, the hundred reasons videos. I think we've still got maybe six or seven that we filmed because we um, we were doing them with. Um, a producer sort of was trying to build it as a channel yeah um, and we had to get them done before i went off to australia right so i think we recorded 18 in four or five days right which destroyed my vocal cords because i'm just screaming we have to rant and scream yeah, yeah yeah but yeah so there should be some more coming but um good it takes so long to edit that um it's kind of a bit weird but um but yeah, and, but the Radio 4 show is, I think, 
the the sort of definitely forthcoming thing that I'm excited about. I'm and so I'm pleased writing. for you. That's fantastic. Tell me, tell me, tell me the premise of it. So basically, when I, a little bit back, I saw an article in my local paper um, on my, that my parents kind of forwarded on to me about a girl being stuck in a basketball hoop. Right. And um, <laughs> <laughs> the article then went on to say, this is the third girl in as many months that has been stuck in a basketball hoop in Ghoul. So the idea is, it's three girls in three months in three basketball hoops. Right. <laughs> and I sort of pitched to the BBC that I want to look into what's gone on here. And I want to find out, see if I can talk to one of the girls to find out if this is a, something that's happening nationwide or if it's just a spike in my hometown. Um, so yeah, we, we pitched it as a sort of comedy documentary. Um, and yeah, the, it was. It wasn't the thing I was expecting. They to get. loved it, <laughs> um, and it and it has to be. It's a comedy documentary, but not a mockumentary. So, right. so where everyone we're talking to is genuine. Where, when I'm talking to a contortionist to ask about how to get through basketball hoops, where <laughs> talking to the fire brigade and the local paper and other people who have been stuck in basketball hoops in the past. So, um. Yeah, there's a surprising amount of research is going into um, to finding these people um, and trying to work out what it's like and why it happened. So it's a weird premise, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's coming out Good early May. Oh, brilliant. That's brilliant. Well, I for one will be listening and all I want to do is thank you so much for your time because I've so, so much enjoyed talking to you. And yeah, and whenever, thank you, um, whenever you walk on the stage, I know I'm always going to have a good time. I, I, I always remember the very first time I saw you and you walked out and you said, hello, I'm from Ghoul. And if mm -hmm. you and if you put Ghoul into Google, uh, you will, <laughs> it comes out with Google. And I thought, mm -hmm. this is my sort of comedy. <laughs> so all the very best to you, my friend. And thank you so much. It's been an absolute delight. Thank you.